Tell a Story Hive is back with an entirely new edition. This time, they're focused on documentary filmmakers who have the opportunity to apply for one of 30 $50,000 grants and distribution on select TELUS platforms. The best part is that you get to make the content you want and you retain all the rights to your produced work. Very cool. Eligible projects must be Canadian citizens or permanent residents of Canada and reside in BC or Alberta. You can submit your pitch anytime between now and July 3rd, and you can find out more at storyhive.com. IATSE Local 212 represents over 1,000 artists, technicians, and craftspeople working in Southern Alberta's entertainment industry. In the screen industry, they service projects with budgets ranging from $100,000 to $100 million. Recent increases to local production volumes have led to increased outreach and training. They promote respectful workplaces, safety, fairness, and first-rate benefits for their members. Local 212 is open to partnering with other industry stakeholders on training and marketing initiatives. They offer an informative set etiquette course each month, which is open to all. To learn more about them, please check out their website at iatse212.com or like and follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Happy podcasting! Hello! Hey! Welcome to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. Yes, welcome to it. I'm Scott Westby. I'm Matt Waterworth. We are Full Swing Productions, uh, and every week we bring you news, tips, and interviews from the film, video, and digital media industries of Alberta. Yes. How are you today? I'm so good. I'm so great. Yeah. I'm great too, Just man. Keen. I um I was watching Deadpool 2 recently, and Nikolai Wischel uh, is, is... Have you seen it? No. Oh, okay. Well, there's a moment where... Uh, okay, so there... Without trying to spoil too much, they uh, Deadpool finds himself out, uh, uh, trying to defuse a scenario with a mutant who has like fire powers, um, who's kind of freaking out at a, like a mental institution sort of outside of it. And all the orderlies are around and they're all really like kind of weird, creepy looking people. And oh. Nikolai, uh, I, I love him to death because I, I was, I did uh, theater with him and, and, but he has a look, he has that, he has kind of a kind of, you know, if he wants to put it on, he can be a very kind of imposing kind of skinny slender man, kind of creepy looking fellow. If he wants to, be. uh, no offense. Uh, and, <laughs> and Deadpool has a line directly to him and he has some lines in the movie and, uh, and, but he says specifically something about, um, uh, he tells him to be quiet, and he like, and he and he says something about like, uh, just close those sexy, sexy secret sex lips, and <laughs> and and it's Nikolai, and like I I knew him, like I knew him in high school, like it's weird. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. So um, another uh, Deadpool. We knew we knew. I think Josh Epst- Epstein, Josh Epstein. Epstein was yeah. in, was in uh, the first one, and so yeah, no, I think it was Kyle. Kyle right Was it Kyle? It, yeah, was, I think Kyle. it was Kyle. Yes, yeah. yes. Josh was in um, World of Warcraft, though. He was. Uh, so anyway, the uh, the yeah the the Vancouver shoots. Uh, it's nice when when it know, is. It's cool to see that faces kind of get in yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what's going on in the world, Scott? Uh, Story Hive is having an AMA, which is, uh, if you don't if you don't follow Reddit, or I think Twitter is doing it now too, it stands for Ask Me Anything. Yes. Uh, now that they've got their new documentary edition uh, happening. Yes. Uh, they know you've got questions. Yes. And if you're planning to apply, they've got this thing going on on June 14th uh, at 11 a.m. on Facebook.com slash Story Hive. Uh, or Instagram and on Instagram, which I don't story hive. Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure how they're going to do that. Maybe it's two it, separate be, phones and it must be something. Yeah. yeah right. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, right. Or because they'll be taking questions on both platforms. So right. we'll have to be live streaming on both. I would think um, unless because Facebook owns Instagram, maybe there's some sort of crossover you can do now. I wonder I if it's 
I assumed it was video as well, but I wonder if it's just text-based. Uh, I suppose it could be, um, but they've done one before oh, have they? Uh, yeah. that was live, yeah. So um, they'll be answering questions about how to make a standard application, what they look for, and anything else you want to know about the documentary edition. So uh, yeah, I mean, all you have to do is go on the internet to do it. So if you're thinking about um, applying to this, definitely something to to, uh, to check out. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I imagine uh, it's the first edition of of this edition. Yeah, and, exactly. uh, and so there's, I'm sure there's many questions to be asked if you're interested. So, yeah. so we've got a long yeah. Interview. You're right. Let's just get right Let's into just it. Jump right into uh, it. Yeah, Dietra is uh, this amazing uh, costume designer, and we learned a lot, especially from totally. from the pr- producer perspective about that world, and really just invaluable stuff that that you should you should spend some time and listen to and really. Enjoy. Absolutely. Here's Dietrich Halen. Zero spirit points. Zero. Oh, no. So other teams can like, oh, that was a fun game with you guys and gave me a little spirit point. But we got none of those. Oh, you give each other spirit points. Yeah, like the other team would, but we did not get any of those. And he um, would like cause severe injury to the other team. What? Because he was like an incredible arm. Oh, wow. And then we lost in the final. Oh, I have no spirit points to show for it. <laughs> no, no. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? It was worth it, it was, because right. the friends that organized it, they um, <laughs> were like all about team uniforms and we all got to like dress uh, the same. Yes, yes, but their team yeah. uniform was um, Daisy Dukes mm-hmm. and like pink crop tops. Amazing. Sweet. Everybody even, on even the team. Even on the guys. Yeah. Oh, yes. Excellent, excellent. So like just stampede clothes. Yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. We had uh We had a dodgeball team in at SAIT. Yeah. Uh, oh, like intramurals? Think, yeah, yeah. Yes. And we were the Royal Tenenbaumers. Did yes. you not play? I don't. I think I might have played once. Oh, okay. Subbed? Yeah. Ringer? I subbed, yeah. yeah. Steve Chin was probably sick. Because mm, mm. he would have been in that league. Oh, for yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was fun. Uh, I think we were terrible, yeah. But uh, oh, yeah, you're the film student. <laughs> That's right. It's but safe. adult There's team like, sports are like, the best, especially with artists, because we don't necessarily play sports. Right, so no artists one's really are, good. Well, it, it's they there are secret good people. Oh, that's what that's the trick. Right, right, right. It's like there's like there's always like a couple people who like maybe played in high school and kind of like right. did something in college or university, but they like kind of like to continue to play, but they don't have right. time right. to then, legitimately right. do anything. Right. Right. But there are those people who are just kind of good at everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of those people in our industry. But it's cool to find them as an adult now and right. like do something that's so not art related, and it's just like <laughs> yeah, totally sport aggressive. Yeah, I played. Uh, I played sport, Calgary Sport and Social. I did. I did join a, a team f- with the girl I was dating at the time. Who it was softball, and I had to like yeah. buy a mitt. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. Do you still have that mitt? Oh yeah, it's it's in a box somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Softball's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tough because I was on the softball team too, but it's mostly about the beer, right? Which is great. Oh. But then, like, there's you kind of actually have to like put in an effort yeah totally like, like you have it, to like yeah. it reminded run. me of being at you know at recess and like out in the outfield and like yes i'm on the team but please don't, don't let the ball come yeah, my oh, way absolutely. i know i'm 29 yeah, and i still feel the same way it's like yeah a hundred percent yeah actually my mom uh has a birthday softball game every year and it was her 50th maybe a while ago no that was more recent <laughs> 50th anyway and uh it was like tied bottom of the ninth and i'm the guy out in left field <laughs> and oh no brent he's on he's at bat and he's amazing you know and he he's points like, to you he's a specimen <laughs> and he points to me does he really 
Yes. It's coming. And he points to me and he just crushes this ball. Oh, no. And I, I misjudge how strong he is. And so I'm like running forward mm. when I should have been running backwards. Whoops. Oh, and I lost us the game. Oh, that's I lost us the game. <laughs> and you're you out know, of the it's, will. You're yeah, it's a hero yeah. story for him. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's the same thing. Like you just, oh, it's up in the air and you're like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh yep, shit. It's yep. like my worst but it's like nightmare. secret athletes, right? Like, yeah, well, we he's a... not a secret athlete. Oh, he's okay. like a legit, well, he's not actually an athlete, but yeah, he's like one of those guys that's like just awesome yeah. in every way. And like, gotcha. he's like the perfect handshake. You yeah, know? Yeah, 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 yeah. How does that relate to being well, a good baseball? Awesome at everything. Yeah. Awesome at everything. Well, it's like right. when you meet a guy with a perfect handshake. He's got the perfect bat grip yeah. as well. As it's like just, I don't know. There's something about like the They're just going to be good handshake. at everything. They're just, gonna, they're just good at everything. Yeah. yeah. And he's nice too, which is the worst part. Yeah. Because he could be an asshole and that'd be fine. Like that would fit, but he's like really nice. Yeah. We have, I have that friend on our volleyball team who's yeah. an actor. Oh. Met him as an actor, know him as an actor. And then I can't remember how it came up. We play volleyball, whatever. And he's like, oh, I play volleyball. And I was like, yeah, sure you do. Yeah. We all play volleyball. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'll call you if we need a sub one day. Yeah. And like we did. And so he came out to play. Oh. And he like, his vert is insane. Oh. He like seems to just suspend himself in the air. Like it is incredible. And he's like originally from Turks and Caicos. So he just uh-huh. has this like natural athletic ability. Right. To the point where other teams were like, who is that person on your, did you play club? Like they are just like mesmerized right. by him. Did you him. get a ringer? Did you, yeah, did you pay him to be And yeah. he is the sweetest person oh. and like a lovely actor and like has a great voice. You know, he's just nice. like, and loves just team sports. <laughs> I know. And, and tries his best. What an asshole. Which is better than everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about costume because I've been recording and I don't know how much oh, yeah. of the audience has heard our sports talk. But they don't come here for that. No. So similar to costumes. And we're getting some flack for saying not being on topic. So sports and costumes are so similar. Oh, well. We've talked about costumes. Like you say, when when there are costumes. You've talked about costumes. On the dodgeball team. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It's all about unifying a look. You know what I mean? Gives you a sense of team. Totally. Camaraderie. It's storytelling. It's a good point. Absolutely. It's character development. Somebody had some some stand up comedian has that joke about about how aliens in all science fiction all have uniforms and they all dress the same and and that they were like okay guys you know when we when we invade Earth we have to look like a team so it is it's a, it's a team dynamic yeah. uh, so so what made you uh, get into costumes <laughs> it was it aliens alien yeah. alien I, there was a time when right. I was abducted oh and they all had this and they had clothes and amazing I was like, wardrobe yeah. this is my destiny. <laughs> No, I mean, truly, like, it's sort of one of those, like, cliche things. As a young child, I was, like, I was always making clothes. Mm. I was always, like, crafting things out of literal craft scraps and, like, dressing up my Barbie dolls or making outfits for whatever. I was always making stuff. So it just always seemed normal that you would just, like, make clothes for either yourself or your dolls. Mm. My mom... I mean, had sewing ability. So she taught me, you know, oh, how to cool. use the sewing machine. We had one of those like treadle machines. Okay, cool. Which with, are really with your foot that you Yeah, use like your super foot dangerous for a small child to be. <laughs> yeah. Like not how, only is what there year like was this? <laughs> back in nineteen oh five. And she no. showed me how to use the loom. You did, but yeah. but those would I, I would go to friends' houses and those would be gathering dust in the corner. Like they, they weren't they were like, used to hold your plants. Yeah, totally. They exactly. were, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. 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 But yeah that they had was the like, ring on them from the plant yeah. water. Yeah. But that was hundred percent the machine that I like wow. learned on. Amazing. And it uh because it was like a sturdy old machine, probably like forged from a single piece of steel, like those machines are forged. Yeah, exactly, you know, yeah. uh, it 
it was strong. And my mom did a ton of like, she would also like, she would sew slip covers for our furniture. She would make oh, curtains okay. and whatever. And it was like a wow. sturdy industrial thing. So it made sense for her to have used that machine. Right. So I learned on it really dangerous, like, cra- like crazy. Did but you have I, to tie blocks to your feet? Like with the, like driving a car when you're too short to reach the pedals? Kind of, <laughs> kind of like an awkward body position to try to yeah, use yeah. it. But also like, so the treadle is like, it kind of has a mind of its own. And once it, the momentum of it keeps going, it's, dangerous right. then there's a needle and there's metal yeah, like, yeah yeah that does sound dangerous actually crazy yeah. but did I you ever stab yourself no oh nice and then the craziest a natural thing, talent the craziest thing the first time i've ever 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 stabbed my finger with a sewing machine needle i mean i've obviously stabbed my fingers with hand needles yeah, of course but like hasn't. a sewing machine um accident for the first time in my life happened only two and a half years ago <gasps> getting getting lazy <laughs> yeah you're yeah no i was just like soft. so i was just sewing and my hands were like near the needle and i don't know right. if it like skipped a stitch or if there was like a thicker part of the fabric or something right but it like stitched right into my thumb <gasps> amazing and it broke so a portion of the needle was still in my thumb <sighs> right Ugh. and then not in the machine anymore i, I like had that. to turn that off i was by myself Ugh. and it was um and then i found a pair of pliers as one does and ripped it out yes. and yes. hoped that I didn't get tetanus. Right. right. Did you have to get stitches or was it? No. Cause, Cause it's, it's so small. It's I guess it's like a yeah. prick. Right. Mm, but right. it's, but it went like right through my nail, right to the oh. right. <sighs> but I, I, I mean, we all, stuff. I've heard horror stories like tons of friends have done that, yeah. you know, in junior high when you take home <laughs> or whatever, cause you're, I, I go 13 and you don't really whenever know. Whenever I've used a sewing machine, it's like the slowest that's fine because that's like the only way I can not sure myself. Right, right, right. Yeah. it's a good way to start <laughs> and then there's like a domestic machine which is something that you would have at your home and then there's an industrial machine which is something that like we all use on a like on a big film or something the room is full of industrial machines um, which are far more powerful is that what you no it was just a, domestic. just a domestic yeah it was a little what were you sewing um, great question don't remember was it okay? too much trauma <laughs> Blocked did the garment survive Totally. Okay, it might good. have been like a like an obscure thing, like a belt or something, oh, which is okay. why it was like thicker. Right. I don't know. Uh, right, right. Yeah. So does that mean that you were the cool young woman in high school who was like making her own clothes? And, totally. And sweet. It was so lame. That's amazing. <laughs> it was oh, so was lame. Was well, lame? I don't know. I just was like, it's funny because growing up, I always thought we were super poor. I was like so embarrassed about like... <laughs> Making, making my own clothes and like that seems like yeah like a poor thing to do which is like at the yeah. time right yeah, yeah. like when i was just like kid, in my like, mind i was what? just like this is so embarrassing and my mom would like make mayonnaise so i thought like we are the poorest people because <laughs> right. she's can't we can't afford mayonnaise. mayonnaise how much it's more expensive to make mayonnaise than it is to buy well and then now 2018 like every hipster every craft sale is like people who make their own clothes and make their own goddamn mm-hmm. mayonnaise right that's like yes. all so we were just is. living our best 2018 lives Absolutely. back in the 80s you're like a hipster's hipster right that's pretty cool i really was so yeah no i I yeah definitely like made my own i had my aunt make my grad dress so there was an element of like designing always happening too like there would be i would be designing things and then either have like my aunt would make my wedding dress and then i sort of decored it or i would make drawings and then sort of yeah even thinking from that design aspect from a clothing perspective is yeah is awesome i think my as the most that i go and still is like do these colors match that's why I wear jeans because they're easy. That's mm. about it. Great mm. neutral, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. and w- so and when did it become more than just something you like to do? Um, so I'd always been doing it. High school, uh, I took like a drama class, 
And so I sort of realized that costumes were a thing, right? an element of performance um, in my drama class. And in, when I was, I think, in grade 12, um, I was in the high school production as well as our instructor had asked if I would help out sort of with the costume design because he could see that, you know, I'd taken a fashion class also in high school and loved the costume aspect of the drama class for sure. And so he was an alumni of the U of A and we were able to go into their stock and do a big poll and do a big rental of their stuff for our production. And I got to, I I essentially got to go and sort of do the poll and not design it so much as style it, I guess. Right. Um, But that was like mind blowing. Mm. Like as a young 17 year old, you go to the massive stock of all these beautiful period costumes and this, and it it was just like, Oh yeah, this is a job. Like people could do this. Yeah, I, I made a, I made a kind of a three thousand dollar feature with my buddies when I was seventeen, and it was fantasy, and I, I joke, but it's kind of true that the budget was three thousand dollars, and it was all spent on cloaks. Right. But I went to I can't remember what maybe it's the costume shop. Yes. Down on uh, um, Barlow down yep. there, it must have been it. And I just went in for inspiration, and there was like cloaks, like real ones, and like all sorts of medieval shit, and it was uh, it was amazing. Like, I know. It was such a. I don't know. There's just something. Well, it plays into your, yeah. And I think like as children, we play dress up and make believe. And there's something about clothes that sort of enhances that element of make believe. Um, and that it's like, it's a bit of escapism, which is a lot of fun. And I think people like to pretend. And so costume has always been sort of that vehicle for me. (laughs) This is so, this is blowing my mind because I've never really thought about about how much it's part of my life, but it totally is. Like I do theme parties all the time. That's oh, yeah. the new, <laughs> yeah. quite a few of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're always dressing up and yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's very funny. And it's funny. It's funny how sort of intrinsic it is into your day to day life. Right, like you yeah. say, and how theme parties are like, there's whole industries like now. Oh, totally. That just completely support like Purdy city is just yeah. the store for theme parties mm-hmm. and they're doing just fine. Well, in cosplay over the last five to 10 oh, years, man. suddenly become a massive thing, massive thing. And also, and even like the technologies that are coming out of cosplay. It's so sort of a right. chicken and egg. It's right. like it's cosplay becomes a thing. And then this new sort of material right. is invented yeah. to support or suddenly a hole in cosplay. Print, right, right, right. Interesting. You know, a weapon mm. and, or whatever. Yeah. It's mm. incredible. Um, cool. yeah. So it's like, it's always just been on my mind, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Part of me. So was it, has, has this, been what you've always done did it like you well it's it, so in high school when I when I kind of realized that I guess it was an element or a job um that was intriguing but I also went to a high school that I mean god bless it was a great high school but it was it's in a smaller town and there wasn't necessarily the like connections or perhaps the resources right. given to students sure. in terms of like knowing what your options were right so and I'd also taken fine art always through school and to me I felt I was stronger as a fine artist or a painter or something mm, okay. to do that in post-secondary. I always knew I wanted to take art. I always knew that it was like an artist's life for me. Right. Like um, anyone making their own clothes yeah. is going like, that I direction. I can't do yeah. desk job. <laughs> yeah, I like, like I specifically did not take calculus because I was like, I'm never going to use this. But I took like bio and chem because somehow that was fun. I don't know. Um, so I, so I only applied to fine art schools and I got in, I went to Grant McEwen and took two years of their fine art program. And that was very multidisciplinary. So you do painting, drawing, sculpture, photography, okay, yeah. all the things. Sure. And then you have an opportunity to take some electives there. And so at Grant McEwen at the time, it was the Jasper Place campus, which is the lovely orange building that is no longer the arts no campus. No longer, but, but still exists. Still exists. Yeah. 
it's adorable. Um, but I took a drama class. So I, uh, it was an acting class and they, they had a wonderful theater arts program there as well. So again, I was always sort of like, it was like the wallflower to the theater and the performing arts at that time and still doing my art thing. And then I transferred to ACAD to finish my degree because it just seemed like I'm also like a very competitive person. And I was like, I can't just only have a diploma. I need to have like degree. degree. Yeah. So I transferred to, to ACAD here in Calgary, finished my degree in a major in painting. But then the funny thing happened is I wasn't really ever painting in my painting major. I was doing more installation work mm. and sort of immersion, like performance kind of stuff, which in hindsight was actually quite theatrical right. and I didn't really realize I was doing it at right. the time. I just mm. knew that it, painting landscapes on canvases was not my thing, right. but there was something about creating, making immersive environments that really appealed to me, which is essentially just like a theater play or a film. Yeah, like we're absolutely. just creating a yeah, space an to have an experience. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So finished that degree. And in my final year I was working at the Auburn saloon. Mm. Ah. Um, so I was going Which to art no school. Exists. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, a lot of dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, so I worked there, and and all the theater people would come in, and that was yeah. sort of the clubhouse, right? right? And so I met that world for the first time, and realized like these are my people, right? Mm. I didn't really know what it was until it sort of you know I was in it, right? Like I didn't know that I needed to seek it out. It just kind of happened, kind mm. of naturally, which was great. And so you make connections, you make friends, you know, you design a someone's crappy play for free and that's where I met Jason Long for the first time actually oh yeah. yeah 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 which is randomly yeah we, we, we were doing Cold Reed Calgary with oh Patrick right Freary and uh, a few yeah. other theater folk and uh Jason was just hanging out and said hello and that was my first ever introduction to him and then and we, that place that's like that's a that experience at that place that for so many people yeah, yeah, yeah. like met at the Auburn it was right. just a collective artist clubhouse and it, where is it now what like there is no Auburn it sucks that it I know there's no but Auburn where's that place, the place? meeting place kind of? uh, weeds is know. a little bit of that well for film I think yeah film some film people hang out there but they yeah. don't meet there yeah they go to meet but they don't like meet yeah. each other right. I guess in theater a little bit bottle screw bills oh okay oh really because location wise it's close that's what I was going to say is, is there's so many theaters in that yeah you know, right and that was always the Auburn blocks. sort of like, yeah, you know, shining yeah. glory is that it was it was across the street. Right, right. right. you'd finish a show and naturally, or upstairs or downstairs, yeah, right. naturally yeah, you yeah, would yeah. just walk to it. You know, yeah. so Bottle Screws is sort of the closest proximity. All the right. same sort of level of dirt bag sure, bar yeah, quality, sure. dark enough. Yeah, right, right, right. You can be loud you can enough, hide, but also yeah, yeah be boisterous cool. as theater folk want to be. Yes, yes. Project. Yeah. So yeah, so that bar um, at that time was a great sort of like networking place for me, you know? So I, so I was a server and then also kind of trying to drum up some work. And my, my thing that I always say is I just tricked people into hiring me, which is essentially what we do every day. Yeah. We're still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Jedi mind trick people to hire you. Please hire me. Don't tell anybody that I don't know what I'm doing. Exactly. (laughs) Literally the definition of faking it till you make it. Um, yeah, and so you just do that enough, and then and then Mark Bellamy, um, God, I love that man, was the artistic director of Vertigo Theater of that time. I think it was his second year or so. And I, you know, you're you're young and you're bold, and you again just want to trick people into hiring you. And so I just took him out for lunch, and nice. you know, was like, I don't know, Mark here. How how do I get a job? Hmm. And at the same time, it was one of those serendipitous kind of meetings because he was like, Oh, that's so funny because I 
wanted to have this lunch so that I could offer you a job. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. I was like, Bleh. so yeah. So he gave me my first sort of professional gig, Amazing. like paid real money to make clothes on actual actors that would go on stage for human eyes to see, oh which God, was terrifying. like, totally. And it's, it's so, it's, it was so nerve wracking. I mean, you spend, you know, three weeks of rehearsal building, buying, making, altering, and you have your dress rehearsal and, you know, there's always an element of a show where, you know, a certain gag needs to go off or a trick needs to go off or some sort of stunt or right, right. something. And it often involves a costume or there's a quick change yeah, and right. it's live theater. Right. right. So that person's got to get off and right. they have 45 seconds to get out of those clothes and into new clothes right. and enter not Unreal. out of breath and <laughs> yeah, say the words yeah, and yeah. continue the story. And right. you're a large part of that 38 seconds that happens off right. stage. <laughs> and as a young designer doing her first show, you know, it's so nerve wracking. Right. Yeah. Engineering. Truly. It's with more than, more than just aesthetics, right? Like yeah. Function and, and, and thinking about that. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that was crazy. And, and, and in a lot of ways it's interesting. I'm so happy that I've had that as sort of my base in terms of my self-taught costume education. Cause I don't technically have a formal costume education. It's just sort of like a lifetime of making sure. doll clothes <laughs> and then art school and right. then just getting into theater. But it's so nice to have the ability to sort of translate script to stage, you know, and, and how these clothes are going to work. And if there is certain elements that you need them to do, how to figure that out, because now that I'm doing more film, um, it's nice to have that knowledge base right. because film isn't like you have an opportunity to like cut the camera. Yeah, there's no quick changes in, in film. And you right. can change the right. clothes <laughs> or if, if the gag doesn't work and you just do it again until it works or, right. you know what I mean? Like there's, there's ways to right. always kind of save yourself. Sure. And in theater, you're just, you know, lights up two hours later, like you just hope it goes. And if it yeah. doesn't, it's just going to keep going. Right. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. that's, it's really nerve wracking. And I love, I love having, you know, sort of like the, the base of the theater stuff to sort of support the film work because I think I have like a deeper knowledge, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Which do you think is more demanding? Ooh, six to one. It's sort of yeah. theater is, um, because there's more rehearsal time. I feel like people have the opportunity to get more heady about it. Right. So things like, um, like where closures happen and how to get in and out of costumes and, and like really sort of tiny details can get overthought and overthought mm -hmm. and overthought yeah. and you have time right. to keep reworking it. Whereas in film, you know, you're, you're getting a script. Like if you're working on a series episodic or something, you're getting scripts like four days before you're shooting, <laughs> you know, like that shirt's gotta be a shirt and right. let's hope it works. And if it doesn't in the moment, then we'll like, we'll figure it out in the moment. Right. 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 And then we'll figure out a solution that works like right then. Cause we need to move on. Like it's right. just so much faster. And so I like film because decisions just need to be made. Right. You know what I mean? It's like black or white. Okay, cool. Moving on. Moving on. Yeah. Whereas theaters like lives in the gray. Right. You know, always the shades <laughs> of gray yeah, right, right. thinking about how we could, you know, and you can, you can, but I love that because you can immerse yourself into the story more. And I feel you have a bigger opportunity to sort of, to get into right. the heady stuff sure, about a script sure. and story yeah. and how that can support the story and, and color theory and sort of like, you know, close televisual story too. And so how, you know, how you can get into that. Yeah. So it's, it's both are nice. It's demanding as equal in terms of like brain power, similar for sure. It's like you're doing the same amount of designing and thinking about it, but in terms of the work, right. it's sort the of just different timelines. Yeah. Cool. You know what I mean? So one's faster. 
Right. But then you sort of get compensated a little bit monetarily sometimes, but also you have like, you get more cracks at the can. Right. So in some ways that counts for something. Sure. Right. Yeah. Whereas theater, you're building up and then you're just like praying that it works. Right. Right. And then once the theater show is open, I'm gone. Yeah. You know, it's up to the actors at that point and stage (laughs) management to like make that quick change every night. Yeah. It's like, I'm never there to do it. And Mm. it's, you know, and if it doesn't work, then you guys need to figure out how to solve it. You know what I mean? And maintain the design and maintain the look, Mm -hmm. but like, I'm not there. Whereas in film, I'm literally there sometimes. Right. Totally. Exactly. So yeah, two different worlds, but like Mm. so similar in a lot of ways, of course. Cool. Still close on humans. Right. (laughs) Right. That's my job. Ah. (laughs) Making sure actors are clothed or nude if that is that's costume yeah (laughs) yeah so so what was the what was the jump then into film like was it kind of were they both happening at the same time for you no not necessarily um what was the jump into film maybe oh geez you know what it might have been i worked with hussein um juma yeah um years and years and years ago i don't even know how he caught wind of my name but likely there was a crossover mutual right and I, and I did the costumes helped out with dog mask, which was like that short film that was right. Yeah. And is that, that's so odd. I came across that on IMDb just like last night and, uh, weird. Is that, is that related to horse mask, the web series that they, did? I don't know because okay. that was after my I assume they time, would be related with but I think title. you're right. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, but I also recall being sort of very like separate from it because I was still sort of in a theater mind in that. I would do all the work and all the design and gather all the things and give the clothes to the people. But then the actors would be in charge of wearing the clothes and doing the thing. Right. And so having sort of onset experience, I guess my first real kind of onset experience was the first couple seasons of hell on wheels. I was just hired as a costumer because that's when I was first starting to get into the union. Okay. Which is great. You know what I mean? You start off as sort of a super green costumer. You send up on set and, what are you doing during like what are you spending your days doing? Um kind of whatever you're told. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and as a costumer, you're happy to do whatever you're told to right, do. Right. Um it's it's funny the union has like an interesting gap, I would say, and I don't know if this is true of other departments, but it's sort of you become a permit in a particular department. In my case it was costume, and then you take a job. But then there's a bit of a lack of communication as to like what do you do then when you get that like right. right. Like even, and I mean, I guess because I didn't go to film school, there were certain things that I didn't know. Right. Like how to read a call sheet properly or where to crew I still don't know how to read a call sheet properly. Right? (laughs) Well, they're all so different. Like what is crafty? You know, like all these things. You just like, what am I allowed to eat? And who can I talk to or not talk to? And like, yes, we all take set etiquette. Right. But that class is taught with such like. There's passion. a lot of, yes, <laughs> deep <laughs> set etiquette passion that I don't know that a ton of it stuck. So, mm-hmm. so you're, yeah. So on set as a daily costumer, essentially you're in charge of like moving the cart of things that is required by the set supervisor to out of the way, oh, stay sure. out of the way, sure. keep our things together, right, sure. run and get me this, run right. and get me that stand here. Don't say anything. Right. Are you steaming garments? You would never be not, in charge of anything set. serious. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you, yeah, you're just sort of an extra body. And how does the hierarchy in the, that department work set? Like, so costumer is like 
bottom bottom of the rung bottom yeah version. okay right. yeah, yeah well okay. kind of yeah sort yeah. of a costume pa version okay. but like say there's a day you have a hundred background performers right you need you just need physical human beings to sort of take charge of a number of those background humans because background humans are essentially cats Right, right. That you need to wrangle, right. and With they clothes. all want to. And they know. all have. They only need to wear clothes, and they need to know where the crafty is. And on a show and like <laughs> on a show like that, they're all period piece cl- period clothing. Piece, yes. So, so it's not like oh, just bring your clothes and we'll adjust. It's a of different course, story yeah. That, yeah. So you're you're essentially as a costumer, you're in charge of like uh, processing them to a degree. Right. So you know, a hundred people will show up. They all have a prefit costume in a bag or on a hanger or whatever, and so making sure that they get into the clothes in the proper way, like that the pants go on the leg and the shirt goes uh, on the top that's boots go on the one, feet yeah, yeah. hat right. goes on the head underwear first then pants, basic yeah. basics <laughs> then you need to you know sort of finesse them and the designer's usually around to sort of um let you know sort of what the vision's supposed to be like everybody's necktie should look like this or mm, the sure. sleeves are all rolled up in this way okay and so you need a costumer to sort of like okay these 12 people i will make sure that the necktie looks like this and the sleeves are rolled up like this and then for the rest of the day Make sure for however many scenes yet. they're in, make sure it looks like that. So you're kind of in charge of continuity. Right. Um, and a and a background set supervisor is sort of your boss, and they'll kind of tell you, you know, those two guys with the hats, you know, make sure that they're always together and crossing the street this way, which, you know, sort of the AD does that. But you're just sort of like maintaining the vision right. on the day, whatever day it is, for whatever scene it is, you know. Cool. And so that was sort of my first experience was, you know, background costuming and taking care of that, which is great. Cause you kind of, you're totally at the bottom of the totem pole and you're kind of in the back of the gymnasium, which it's is great place to learn. You can see everything yeah. you, you know, and it, um, low stakes, less responsibility, right. but you're sort of still in the bullpen. So it's, right. it was a good way to kind of crash course learn. Okay. And then if you don't mess up, you get hired again, right? which is what happened. Yeah. yeah. So, so that sort of, I guess was the start. And then, and then I can't remember even the years, I guess I should have done my own research of when I started, but then I think Dryland was sort of a few years later, right, you know, right. I'd done a bit more film work and then we had done Dryland. Wait, was, what, what was the, cause Helen Wheels was after that. What, what was the first film? Can't, maybe Dog Mask. I don't know. Was Dog Mask after Dryland? I, I actually have no idea when yeah, it was, no. but, but like, like you didn't, I thought my thought was like, oh, you got hired on a big show at the, you know, as, at the you know entry level position. But that but you were working in indie stuff first. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So sort of, yeah. Doing small films, small theater plays. Cool. Cool. But Helen Wheels, when like, did that start? Helen Wheels? Oh, uh, 20, 2009, 2010. Yeah, it's 2010, was, maybe. Right. I'm not sure. We never really. I don't pay attention any... to that either. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, maybe 09 sounds. Ish. Like something, but the yeah. so, but when you're working on indies, you're aren't you like doing everything? Aren't you the the boss of of your department? Really, I mean, when you're, totally, yeah, and yeah. You are the department. Usually, you are the department. Yeah. yeah. So in a lot of ways, indies like the transition from theater to doing indie film w- made sense to me because right. in film or in theater, you're the boss of everything as well. You're sort of wearing all the hats, right, doing all right, the things. Right. But there was just a bit of a learning curve in terms of like in film, you you actually have to be there to help with the clothes and make sure that the continuity is there and all of that stuff. Whereas in theater, it's, you know, once the show's up and running, then you're gone. Um, yeah. So I was sort of straddling those two things still kind of serving. I got a job at the Calgary public library part-time, 
just the best part-time job ever to have what? as an artist pays really well, mm. uh, super flexible hours. Mm. And then, um, I ended up getting, working my way into the, um, central library, working in the arts department. Oh, oh cool. So I had like all the costume books at my disposal right. and, and the ability and, to and erase funds. Quiet place to read. <laughs> well, the libraries are never quiet. <laughs> the ability to erase what? fines. Is that what you said? The ability to erase nice. fines. Yeah. Wow. So I would, I would loan books out to myself oh, for wow. <laughs> very long extended. Libraries, they can erase fines. Yes. You've never done that. You've never tried to talk them out of. Always and like, ask. Yeah, okay. Always ask. God damn it. Always ask. Just be like, I don't, I only have a dollar. And they're like, okay. <laughs> Literally every time. We're, Literally you, every time. People don't realize how socialist this country is. Exactly. And that's, that's, but you should be able to get free books in this country if you want to. I can't, I can get, well, I mean, internet for just, one. And just two years but, ago was the, the cards are free now. They used yeah. to be 12 bucks. Right, now they're right. free. Yeah, so huh? that's a good thing. Yeah. But oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Raise huh. those fines. And then also if you <laughs> say did have a book that you didn't return and you had exorbitant fines, I think that those automatically erase after two years. Oh, well, really? So if you just avoid the library for huh. two years. That's kind of where I'm at right now. You should be fine. Because I had fines. I had yeah, like $30 I, like, oh, I don't want to go back there. Yeah. And, yeah. And then it's like, the cards are free. It's like, well, I can't give them my name or my address. Like they're going to be can, like, oh, it's free, but. Create an alias. It's not Blockbuster where the fines like. <laughs> Stay for it. Yeah. Right. Exponentially. No. <laughs> no, it's like five cents a day or whatever. But yeah. The power cool. of the library. The library was a great, it was a great resource because yeah, it had I all bet. the costume books and like yeah. all the things. And so I would sort of self teach myself things I didn't know. Right. That's awesome. You know, right. I, on the job. <laughs> hey everybody. Just wanted to take a quick break from this conversation with uh, Dietra uh, to tell you about the Calgary film center. Uh, it's a world-class screen-based production facility that's suitably equipped and serviced so that you can execute your next project with ease. They have 50,000 square feet of purpose-built sound stages and 25,000 square feet of multi-purpose warehouse and workshop spaces complemented by their anchor tenor, tenant, tenor, oops, who is uh, William F. White, Canada's oldest and largest provider of professional motion picture, TV, digital media, and theatrical production equipment. Um, on top of all that stuff, their aim is to deliver production support for local, national, and international screen industry projects in their purpose-built venue designed to service every individual client's needs. And of course, they deliver programs to engage and support innovation and excellence in the film and television industry here in Alberta. Um, it's not a Calgary exclusive thing, although um, I, I've, I've chatted with some Edmonton filmmakers recently who, who thought it was mostly um, a Calgary thing. This just happened to be where it's located, but I know a lot of their programs are designed with the entire province in mind. So you can find out more at calgaryfilmcenter.com. Check it out. You're, you've won all the awards. Uh, you're oh, famous I now. Won all and, the awards. <laughs> and you're kind of at this mid-career level now where... Yeah. Like, what excites you? Like, what do you, like, I'm sure, you know, we all like just getting up there with a the camera and, and I'm sure getting into this scenario where I'm going to design these costumes was, was cool. And now, now we want to be challenged a little bit more. And so what, so what kind of stuff do you like, is like, oh, that's a show I want to work on. Uh, I love doing period things right. because, um, because of the research involved, mm. the, uh, it's of a time. Um, I also like. I like researching a particular period and then pushing what that means into a stylized version. Like Shape of Water right. mm. was a period film, but but I don't know that we would all say, you know, it was specifically this year. Right. You know what I mean? It was right. very stylized. And sure. so work like that makes me real excited. Like I would love to work on that kind of thing. I also had been craving doing a small, intimate, small cast, one or two location kind of a shoot where you could really dial in some 
sort of minutiae in the costume, right, right, right. which I think I got a bit of that craving out on the boat movie with uh, Mike mm. Peterson. Right. Because that was a three-hander all took place on a oh, boat. Oh, cool. Right. For the most part. We had nice. a couple locations at the top of the film, but but it was night and there, there was a ton of breakdown required and a lot of like blood continuity. Mm. And so those kinds of things are exciting to sort of, I call it like costume math where you need to right. sort of figure out blood continuity. And what the crazy thing about that film is we shot in order, but the interiors were shot in Canada. The exteriors were shot in Belize. Oh, wow. So we shot in order, but we shot the interiors in order. Right. And then went to Belize and shot the exteriors in order. Right. Which are presumably peppered throughout. Correct. Of course. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're in the boat, you're out of the boat, you're in the boat, yeah. out of the boat. Right. So, so it seems everybody else was like, oh, it's so great. We're shooting on continuity. Yeah. Well, for we're, stuff, whatever, yeah. <laughs> we're not, not actually. Really. <laughs> so we had to truly, we had to, we had, you know, five, six versions of everyone's costume and the blood, you know, we had to preserve certain after some special effect happened. Right. We had to preserve that costume because it had continuity blood on it. Sure. And then like mimic that continuity so that we could jump ahead two scenes and then add more. Oh, interesting. And then keep going. So when we went to Belize, you couldn't were, just hang on to that costume and bring it to Belize. We did it, though. But uh, well, we had yeah, depending four or five on the version. Right. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So we had the clean version and then like, right, right, the, right. you know, as the film progresses, yeah. there's every kind of stage that gets complex. Yeah. So then you totally. had to go backwards, you know, when we were in Belize and have those costumes try to match. Right. But then the crazy thing is, is of course, Humidity is different. Moisture level is different. Ah, right. All sorts of things. And so the blood does not behave the same way <laughs> in a Belizean atmosphere than it doesn't. Nothing dries in that humidity. Nothing dries in that humidity. In Calgary, God it's like it. two hours later, it's yeah. dry. So so I'm curious to see what happens. So what, like how it's all going right. to cut together. Yeah. Cool. Well, know? yeah. You, you never want to rely on, eh, is the audience going to even notice or catch or, or, or see this? Uh, but but hopefully that you have some forgiveness there if, if there is any. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's perfect. It's going to be perfect. Of course. Sure it is. Of course. I'm sure it's perfect. <laughs> so uh, the big question I have for you, and because I still don't know this, mm. is when you're approaching a wardrobe genius person, how do you, as a filmmaker, as a producer, how do you approach them properly and say, you know, here is it, here's the script and, let us know what you think or, or, or how do, how do you prepare properly and, and budget properly Yeah, for that department? Oh my God. Good this question. Is fucking awesome question. <laughs> I know. For me anyway, I'm interested. It's to a good question for me too. <laughs> I mean, Let's I think, I think you approach any creative the same way. You know what I mean? Like I have a cool, passionate project that I'm into. Here's script, you know, are you interested? Right. And I don't think that that's ever a wrong way to approach anybody. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately whoever you're approaching or wanting to, work on your project should be excited and also totally stoked on your project. Um, but then that weird thing happens with all of us because we are whores for work. We just like always <laughs> want to say yes anyway, course, even if we course, like hate yeah. your project. But in a, in a perfect world, like what's like, like we should, we should all be aiming for certain standards. And I think like, like you, you just, just a couple weeks ago, we were chatting about a project and, and, and you totally did, obvious math that I hadn't thought about. It was like, okay, so this many characters, this many days, uh, if that's your budget, you've got about 12 bucks per costume. So how's yeah. that going to work out for you? And yeah. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I'd, I, and it's funny because I would say across the board that producers, directors, filmmakers don't really know what happens in wardrobe. Right. And the right. joke is like, what happens in wardrobe stays in wardrobe because nobody, nobody right. knows. Like right. just 
actors have clothes. They look fine. They right. show up. The clothes right. are ready. Yeah. And yep. And clean. There's no problems. Or not, or whatever. Or, not, or whatever they yeah. need to be. And then we shoot the things and then we have a movie. Right. Um, and I think people also have a miss conception of the power of value village mm-hmm. oh, totally. mm-hmm. I think filmmakers just think it's just go to this value village and find yeah. exactly safe like it's this much, haven yeah. of period <laughs> cost, every, like, every period possible cost. thing you need <laughs> you can just go there yeah. and get it and right, it's all six dollars right. um Even value, just go to the tunics and section. return it please yeah, yeah. oh so, yeah right. just return <laughs> it yes yes so it's yeah so even there's a there's definitely like a gap right in the knowledge base sure in how we do our jobs and it's, and it's simple things like the doing the math equation yeah, of like yeah. how many people are in the show, how right. many days and what's your budget equals X dollars. You know, are you expecting your performers to bring their own wardrobe? Is this more of a styling gig versus a designing gig? Right. You know, is mm-hmm. it period? Is it contemporary? Is there some sort of overarching like uh, concept mm-hmm. that we're all adhering right. to that will also inform. And it's all of those things certainly factor the budget. It's there's no like perfect math equation. Like there would be, I think for camera gear, right. Where rentals cost what they cost and right. you can sure. omit this yeah. light and then get the budget down that way. It's like but costume like, is kind of the amoeba. Right. You can, you, know? you can pay $6 for a white t-shirt or Kanye can charge you a hundred dollars for the same white t-shirt. A hundred percent. You know, I worked on that project last summer where, where there were things where there were things purchased because they were apparently the only way to buy that plaid shirt. You know, we had to spend $450 on a Yves Saint Laurent plaid shirt Whoa! or the very similar, very similar thing is at Walmart right now for nine ninety nine. <laughs> right, and so right. it's like, but that's also like whose project it is and what's the vision. Mm, and you mm, know what I mean? And right. if there's the budget for it, then that's fine. So it's a it's a tough it's a tough question. Yeah. How do you approach a, a well, designer? Well, just that, that yeah. whole like how many characters, how many days is. Yeah. I, I'm just so stupid that I would have never thought to do like the per per outfit per outfit math. Like, yeah. yeah. Obviously. Yeah. And that's and, something that I think a lot of filmmakers don't think about is is script days. Oh no. Not not not. We're not talking no about number days. of shooting days. How no. many days occur during the. time of the film yeah and i've been given scripts too where it's um you know really cool conceptual script and there's this story within a story happening or congruent timelines or fudging of timelines where you have like a really creative script created that has a whole period thing happening through it but it's a contemporary show or there's flashbacks Mm -hmm. you know um and writers never really realize like what that equals right you know what i mean you have a flashback it's of a different time it's different clothes that equals dollars right you know, and you have to factor that in. And I think people just think well, there's only seven people on our show. Right. You know, and it's, we have 2000 bucks. That's like tons of cash. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, well, there are hard costs and wardrobe. Is yeah. One of them, right? yeah. Yeah. And not that writers should necessarily handcuff themselves, but if you no. want to shoot a low budget, you could, you could write ways of making things cheaper and easier for you. I, I there's that great video of, um, I think it's Jonathan Nolan, uh, one of the one of the writers of uh, uh, what was the Nolan movie that shot Interstellar? There it is. Uh, where that where he you know he had envisioned corn and mountains, and so they came to Calgary and and Longview and shot that and grew the corn themselves. And and he he says he remembers being out on on like doing a survey a couple months before, and the corn was only up to their knees, and they were like, "Is this gonna?" be where we needed to be and he's like and it's like they planted all this for you because you wrote that in the script like you, you have to consider that you know bringing in that stuff to life is you, tough. you yield so much power uh, absolutely yeah. you know what I mean? yeah. it's well like the script says your pen yeah, your is god created the world <laughs> yeah. right yeah and 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 it's uh i think what would be more helpful for me 
PSA. Um, if directors did a bit of a breakdown before approaching, say, mm. a costume designer sure, okay. and talked with the producer so that the right. producer could, you know, say the director thinks that all these flashback scenes all need to be in red. Okay. That's their vision. The workaround is this, or they've sort of, they've thought about these flashbacks as being kind of this, uh, approaching it this way sure. because as a designer, I'll read it and I'll go, Oh, you have a period flashback in here. And so I'm going to take that literally. Right. It's a period flashback. It equals X, Y, Z. It's right. going to cost yeah. this much. Plus you have all these yeah. other elements and then you then have to go back to the director or then the conversation with the director and designer need to happen. And you know, those sort of creative questions are almost coming too late in the game because the budgets are usually always figured out by the time a designer's approached. Of course, right. So it would be nice to, I guess, be those, th- those elements considered a little bit earlier. Right. So that, um, if there is a budgetary constriction, then there's, there's a workaround because the director goes like, ah, okay, there is a period thing, but we're going to do it all in red t-shirts. Right. Right. And then you go, oh, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah. The only difference is they've all got big mustaches and that's it. Or yeah. Whatever. Right, right. Yeah. That's how I see the scene happening. Right. Not that it's a full period costume, right. but that we're doing it this way. And you're like, oh, okay. Well then, then that changes the scope of how I thought it was going to be. Sure. You know what I mean? And that's way more helpful because right. Right. At, on first glance you could be like, well, there's no way I can do this project for this money. And it's so interesting as a, as a, like, you know, as a producer, you you read the script thinking of things like, well, how many days is this going to take to shoot? And, you know, how, well, is that where, where are the big budget pain points kind of thing? But you kind of need to read the script once for every department. Of like course. With, with that in mind, like, like yeah, I, I remember reading this this web series script and, and not even thinking about makeup. And then the makeup artist saying, well, there's like all kinds of challenging injury stuff happening here. And I was like, Oh yeah, of course. That, <laughs> Bruises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't think yeah. of that. Bruise continuity. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. That's something that, that I'm wrestling with, with Jones and right now yeah, is yeah. this guy's cowboy starts, you know, pretty happy and clean. And throughout the movie, he just gets the shit kicked out of him worse and worse and worse. So yeah. makeup continuity, wardrobe continuity, yeah. an absolute nightmare. And it's all happening in these, you know, few locations and they're kind of circling around. So it's like, if we shoot in the bar for a day, yeah. you know, it's like three different versions of this, guy totally and then like and yeah. what helps is like you know when the production decides to shoot in story order mm-hmm. it's like that's great because then we sure. can just keep going forward right just right. keep rocking that shirt more and more that's nice yeah. Yeah. which is fine and cheaper and like easier on everyone's like script supervisor brain power right you know what right. i mean like we can all kind of just move forward but that 100 percent of the time never happens never. right yeah. like yeah. we only have the bar for wednesday yeah and we have to go that day yeah. and then we have to go back to whatever so right. So it's figuring out all those things Mm -hmm. and sort of, I guess, arming yourself with more information about the creative of a script before approaching a creative department is useful because those questions are going to come anyway. Totally. Yeah. And that like, if you had done the math and you approach me and go like, we got 12 bucks a costume (laughs) and that's like what the budget is like, and here's the director's vision, like what is possible? You know what I mean? Instead of, instead of the designer kind of, bursting bubbles and going like, right. right, right. Or know? having to be that, that first person to say, guys, this is not going to work for you. Yeah. Like to come with that. Like we know this is not probably not going to work. Yeah. Tell us what is, what is possible instead of. And a hundred percent of the time, everybody wants more cash for their department, right? Course, Cause you want course. it to be the best it can be. Absolutely, and yeah. you know, it's yeah. And there's, yeah, absolutely. And we, and we all shoot things on such low budgets, uh, most of the time outside of, you know, the heartlands and the Fargo's, um, that, you know, we're all trying to do so much with so little and, there's there's that breaking point where it's like, well, I can't, 
you know, this is my name on the line in every department, right? Yeah. Like this is right. going to stand for the work that I do. So at a certain point, I can't, I can't just do it, do it for 12 bucks a costume. It's not going to no, work. <laughs> okay. but, the, but I would say that the encouraging cool thing is the style of work that we do here. You know, it's a lot of Westerns and it's a lot of, um, Westerns, right. um, <laughs> that, they, that they're uh, oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So like West, like we do. Well, there's okay. Yeah. yeah I don't and then there's yeah, also the like Westerns. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah that well, what about the Revan? Oh, no. Right, okay. <laughs> Shit. Western, um, that we have, I think that people have access to a bunch of secret sort of favors and secret stock. Mm, you know right. what I mean? And so like right. in some ways that's always nice to, and I think, I mean, I do this with my contemporaries as well. It's like, I have access to these really great costumes. You have gear. Mm-hmm. Let's invent an idea so that we can like make something really beautiful. Use what we have. And, yeah, what yeah, we yeah. Have. and totally. so mariachi, that's how he did it. Right. To- yeah. And so, I mean, Aaron and I kind of riff often about creating just something. Cause yeah. like, you know, he's got enough things and I have enough resources and stuff and we can pull in our, all of our favorite cards and, and get that creative craving out, you know right, what I mean? And right, sort right. of make something, that you haven't necessarily been offered because right. it's not out there just yet yeah. and just do it yourself. Um, but then there's that weird thing where it's like, well, you got to work. Right. And so finding yeah. the time to like <sighs> invest all of this yes. creative energy into a thing. This is the balance. Yeah. On your free time, which is often so slim is hard, but period work gets me super excited just cause it's, it's like, there's more to, there's more I guess to put be- a stamp on yeah. yeah, you could put a stamp on it. And I guess there's like the historical aspect appeals to me. The research aspect appeals to me. And and then there's room to play within that. I feel like contemporary work, everybody's a designer at that point because everybody goes to the mall and knows how to buy a pair of jeans and a T-shirt. And <laughs> they all know, you know, how easy it must be yeah, to course. just go to the mall. I designed my outfit today. It looks gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you. Like, but how easy it must be to just go to the mall and buy clothes for actors. Right. Like we give you a thousand dollars. Like surely there's enough to <laughs> go to the mall. Like you are, yeah. you're, and you're going shopping for work. Yeah. Like you're it's real fun shopping. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh no. How hard is that? So, <laughs> so I like doing period work because you don't get so much like sass and not right, everybody's right. a costume designer. Right. And people and sort of just yeah. believe you that the period things that you're designing are correct right, or, right. you know what I mean? Like no one's versed necessarily in 1910, ladies wear right you know in the midwest of america you know and so if you present something they're gonna be like okay sure it looks good i mean westworld is of a period mm. but a stylized period of sort of a theme park stylized period yeah, that's and an interesting bubble to be in yeah hmm. both worlds you yeah. know what i mean and um but you believe it right you're just like you're told like this is a period this yeah. is an old western period okay and everybody's like okay and then there's also future sure. people here sure. and they're like okay <laughs> You know, and so I feel like period work just allows a designer more room to play. Right. Contemporary right. work can be tough because everybody has an opinion. For sure. I got you. Uh, the, but the, the other cool thing about it is uh, I remember watching the behind the scenes on, I think we were soldiers. Is that what it was? Mel Gibson. Oh, oh yes. okay. And so I will leave no man behind. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, this was, you know, like we were talking about this on a previous podcast back when DVD was new and every like behind you had a behind the scenes oh, video yeah. on every aspect. And so there was like a focus on the costume and uh, that the costume designer or maybe in conjunction with the props person had built like exact replicas of the whole outfit that they would have been wearing at war, including like little kits filled with like the bandages or what, like every little detail was thought of. And, and 
the camera never saw inside any of those cases, but uh, it was all about kind of immersion for the actors. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I and I encounter that a ton, even in theater. You know what I mean? There are certainly, I mean, clothes are such an intimate thing. They're like they're on your body. They inform your character, and they like I have literally seen actors transform their bodies. Mm. Once they wear a costume, right? right? right it's right. like another whole physicality changes right, right, right. because of what they're wearing. Interesting. And so you are such a crucial, critical part of storytelling mm. and and can really sway a performance. Right, right, right. And so you have to, you know, consider that. And also best idea in the room wins, right? And so if an actor is coming in and they're saying, you know, I have this little satchel, I literally will never go into it. But <laughs> I think that these things would exist in it. Right. You want to help your performers give the best performance they can. Sure, and if sure. that's a tool to give them in order to, to get the best work, then of course you would do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you have the budget, if you have the budget, if Mel Gibson, but I mean, there's $12 for the satchel, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Literally just fill it with band-aids. <laughs> you have 500 band-aids in your satchel. I think, I think gauze is probably going to take up more space for gauze less. and band-aids. Yeah. 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 Or cotton balls. There we go. Truly lightweight. No, we're talking. So, what do you think the path is for someone who pressed play on this podcast because they were like, wardrobe is what I want to do? Oh, yeah. How do I get started? Well, um, I think the cool thing about wardrobe that maybe a lot of people don't necessarily know about is there's so many um, different positions in the department. Like even um, even on this project that I'm working on this summer, you get approached and it's like, okay, this is sort of the size of the crew and there's X costumers and they're all just listed as costumer. But there's so many more people that it takes to like make our department work. So there's set supervisors, there's background set supervisors, there's truck costumers, there's breakdown artists, there's craftspeople, there's stitchers, there's cutters. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Like there's a number of different skill sets required to be in the department and you don't have to do them all to be in the department. Right. These are all li listed as costumer, but they're different. No, or, no, oh, I think, oh, okay, I think, okay. I think producers and sort of like, Generally, people just think they're costumers. Right. You're just, you are wardrobe. Like we get labeled as wardrobe. Right. You know what right. I mean? Like, hey, wardrobe. <laughs> Instead of like the set supervisor. Like, there's just so many defined positions Got within it. the department. Got it. So in the in the end credits, though, would it all be just like wardrobe? No. Oh, they would be stitchers. Yes, but nobody the... ever reads that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I don't. I, don't. I do. <laughs> it takes a ton of people. It so, does. Like I remember working on Heartland for, uh, for a season and the the costume designer was, yeah. was in the, was in the production office all the time. That's right. And then they had two or three people kind of in the, in the office doing, you know, whether it's purchases or, or fittings or whatever it is. And then of course a whole trailer on set with three more people who were on oh, set yes. and taking care of all the actors and stuff. So it's a big department. Actually. It is a big department. Yeah. And I don't know that anybody really remembers that, right. like what it actually takes. And on a, on a union thing, you know, you, there are, there are positions that you have to have. Like you can't get by without a set supervisor, right, which right. is the person who literally takes care of your principal actors right. and makes sure that their clothes are in continuity and right. are on their bodies correctly and are in the right clothes right. for the, whatever first. day you're shooting. Right. And That's first. the set supervisor who does that. Well, the truck costumer is the human that is sort of the keeper of all the clothes okay. and they would set the room in the morning. So okay. they would essentially look at, you know, the dailies and see we're shooting oh, scene. Cool five six and eight today right it's five and six are day three scene eight is day four so they'll be in two costumes today and they'll set their clothes accordingly and right. the pin that goes here is you know what i mean like and all the little details right. are figured out and then 
make sure that the actor gets in. And then the set supervisor essentially is the liaison between the designer and the script supervisor and obviously the director on set and make sure that they're, they look correct for every take, every scene to tell that story. And then when you move on to the next scene and they have to change their clothes, the truck person would have set their clothes, you know what I mean? And right. Right. So everybody right. kind of works together, but so there's a, ten, there's a, there's more to wardrobe than just like, Oh, I don't know how to sew. I can't be in wardrobe. Oh, right. Of course. Of course. Ah, right. Right. Like, which might scare some people off. It totally right? does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there is a sewing exam that you need to take, but it is, it's so rudimentary and basic that it's, um, I mean, it's definitely designed to be a bit of a deterrent. Like if you're, if you're a hundred percent inept in sewing and can't sew a button on wardrobe's likely not the job for you, right, right. but most people who have an interest in wardrobe can sew a button on. Right. So wardrobe could be a job for you, cool. but you could be a breakdown artist. You could be, you know what I mean? There's all sorts of, um, different skill sets required yeah. in, in our department that feed a ton of different personalities, you know what I mean? And skill cool. sets and you need them all on any kind of big show in order to make a, especially a period piece. Cause you need more, like you'll need breakdown. You'll need craftspeople. You'll be making costumes from scratch cause they're period things. And you right, need right. four yeah. of that dress for the lead actress. Cause they get shot. Right. You know, course, and so you yeah. need a cutter and a stitcher and craftspeople to make jewelry. And like Lewis and Clark, there was a, a whole craft department. So I think there were five or six people just making jewelry for really? Lewis and Clark. Wow. And that's under wardrobe. Unreal. Just making earrings, just making chest pieces, wow. just making necklaces huh. and beading stuff onto leather work. And there was milliners, like people who just do hats. Really? And I, all that's they what do that, is that's what that's called? Milliner? Millinery. Millinery. Huh. Yeah. And a cobbler is someone who make your <laughs> shoes. shoes. I got that one. All which right. is a legit thing. Millinery. Millinery. I've never heard that. Are there any milliners yeah. in existence? I there, guess are. there are. Of course there are. Yeah. There are. There's some great milliners in town. There's some great milliners in town. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Can you spell that? M-I-L-L-I-N. E-R. You got it. Just like it sounds. Yeah. And there's tons of local work on, um, I mean, Smith built is a great right. supporter of the film industry and they get used often. I mean, Helen wheels was probably one of their biggest shows. Right, right, right. Um, but even on say damnation, which I worked on last summer, mm-hmm. tons of our hats came from Smith built, hmm. you know, and they'll, they'll work with us and, and create new designs or shape wow. things in a different way. Or we had a full-time milliner on staff for damnation because wow. hats were such a big thing in the thirties. Sure. So literally making cloche hats and homebergs wow. and all kinds of, you know, from scratch huh. and shaping awesome. things and decoring things. And that's you know, it's so another cool. element. Like that's, that's one of the things that's so cool about this industry, right? There's you can, yeah, there's, you can get really down to the details of, of, of anything oh, virtually. Yeah, I love and, it. And it's costume it, is a whole, yeah, it's, it's a whole old, old, own world. Obviously it really is. Yeah. And, and it was funny on damnation. Our, the costume department was literally its own world. Cause we were in a different building right. than the main production office. Oh, okay. Cause we need that much space. Right, like I think right. people also forget how much space it right. takes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that like the wardrobe department needs a washer and dryer and yeah. we needed a giant table to cut stuff and sewing right. machines. And you know, it's, there's a lot of gear for sure. And for it's sure. not small. Even just to store all the costumes. I mean, oh I mean, yeah. The, there's a massive room where there was at the old Heartland production office that was like just filled with costumes. Like I couldn't even like, I would like be curious and explore and I couldn't even get, you know, there's too much room filled with, I mean, on a series that's been running that long, understandable, but but I mean, you have to store all that somewhere. But Wendy Partridge has her giant warehouse out um, near Callaway park. Oh, okay. Right. Oh yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah. 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 Um, 
and she's incredible because her organization is like top notch, super OCD, much appreciated, but like (laughs) it's stunning in there. Like she's got, you know, three rows in this giant warehouse, like rows meaning like vertical rows, like stack. Wow. Right. Costumes hung. And you know, it's, it goes through the time period. So it'll start in a contemporary way (laughs) and then sort of like wind its way back in time. And then she'll have bins of like period boots from 1850 to 1890 period boots from 1900 to 1910 wow. period you know and all different sizes all and, different yeah. sizes all oh, completely yeah. organized wow. men's boots are in blue bins girls boots are in red bins and mm. kids stuff and the whole nine right and it's this massive like i'm really bad at math but like there must be 10 40, right? like oh. <laughs> 40,000 square feet you know it's huge right. it's yeah. incredible so mm. And granted, she's built up a collection over a number of years, sure. and a lot of her stuff gets used on many of the things that come through town right. because it's an easy rental for sure. But like, she's a blip in the radar compared to some of these big houses that exist. Like Ian Drummond in Toronto is massive, massive rental house. Thunder Thighs in uh, Vancouver, I think, massive rental house. And Costumes Period, they're down in LA. Like, there's all huh. there's huge, huge rental houses that cool. have gobs of costumes that Man. kind of. I mean, I mean, even on Damnation, we had. Um, pulled some hats from Ian Drummond, which is out of Toronto. They came and there was one that was used on Angelina Jolie and the changeling. Really? And it was marked as such. Cause wow. I think it was a bit of a feather in their cap. You right. know, like, and also be careful with it. Cause yeah, absolutely. We sell it someday. <laughs> well, no. And I <laughs> think it was it. actually even a really vintage piece when they used it. Oh. So it was like near the end of its life. Oh, and I think okay. we had borrowed it for probably a pattern or you know, to emulate a design detail or something. Um, but these pieces, like they just go from show to show. Sure. You know what I mean? Like you see the same, sure. But background performers are kind of in the same clothes and every kind of period mm, show yeah. that you see, which is cool. Like it's kind of interesting. And the, and yeah. the work that sometimes you make that rental houses buy, like Ian Drummond, because damnation's not coming back, bought all of the stock oh. to in- integrate into their own collection. Right, right. So now there's, damnation pieces right. that will get rented out to some other 1930 sure, show. Sure. Does that, that happen s- to you where you've recognized something in something you're watching? Um, I don't know if I've obviously recognized something, but you definitely get a sense of like, I know where they rented that the from. Or, are good. They, uh, yeah. I know where that came cool, from right. or whatever. And it's the huge blockbuster movies. You know what I mean? Yeah, Everybody's yeah. using the same stuff, you know, yeah, which they? I think is why we reinvent the wheel every time. Right. Yeah. Which I think is really sweet because yeah. it's actually a pretty small community like we were working on damnation and i think they were shooting um oh what was it some period show lemony snicket or i don't know something at the same time and we were same sort of time period and so we were both wanting the same things from all the same rental houses right and it depended what designer got in touch first (laughs) we'll get the better stock you know right interesting (laughs) uh are there costume and wardrobe conventions Ooh, because I'm starting to realize how big this this whole world is, and yeah. it feels like there must be. Is there not like a no, not, no, that, really? not that I know of. I yeah. mean, there yeah. there are there are groups on Facebook, of course. <laughs> um, but in terms of like a get together, uh, nothing that I'm aware huh. of. But I may be, be super ignorant to it. Hmm. Um, I mean, there's... nothing like cine gear, nothing like NAB, nothing yeah, like right, that, where yeah. costumers all get together sure. and jam about needle lengths and the weights <laughs> right, of fabric, right, right. you know? Oh, it seems like there must be, I'm sure there will be at some point because there's a, there's a convention for people who are fans of the big Lebowski. Lebowski. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, Maybe gotta, I should start the convention. You should. You should yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what do you, what do you call yourself? I'm a costume designer. Costume designer. Yes. Um, often on a commercial shoot, say, um, where you're not necessarily design. Cause I think design 
is is a kind of a loaded term, and I think it right. means when you're truly creating a look, right. creating a look. Yeah. Um, and then there's a stylist, which would be a little bit more like the work I do in commercials, where you are going to the mall and shopping and like, is it the green t-shirt? Is it the blue t-shirt? Mm. Because the couch they're sitting on is gray. What color do we like best? Right, and that's right, more right. of you're styling a shoot versus designing something. Really? I think anytime you're altering a garment or doing anything in a period or um, adhering to a really like tight creative, I think you're designing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think when you're, and sometimes even on commercials, actors will bring their own wardrobe and you're essentially just choosing the pieces yeah. within their own wardrobe that yeah. look the best together for that purpose. Um, and that to me is styling right? sort of one and the same, right. but designing I think is a, obviously a little more effort, a little more brain power and a broader, a broader scope. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Would you be willing to share like some of the secrets that you've learned in your time around, like what, what looks good on camera and what doesn't as far as like, you know, what Ooh. you might, you might just be like, oh yeah, we'll just, you know, throw on whatever works. And then yeah, sometimes you about fabrics or something. Yeah. You, well, yeah, not yeah. just moiré, but you also like, just feel like something's wrong sometimes and, and it can be the costume and it's because you haven't thought about it enough. Or yeah, are there any like obvious sure. or rookie mistakes that you've, yeah, seen yeah. Someone, or that you've made or that you've seen someone make? Or? Well, I think, I mean, the biggest one too is like, if you are working on a period show and there, and you see a zipper in the costume, mm. you know what I mean? So I think doing your research and knowing what's correct for the period. Right. Um, cause that's a big mistake that can happen continuity, but it's tough because every project is different. Like what lenses are you using? How are you lighting it? Is it handheld? Are you on stick? Like it, there's so many other elements right. that contribute to the look right. of what we're, you're capturing that it, that a costume can aid or hinder it. You know what sure. I mean? Shape of water was such a controlled color palette. And so, you know, obviously you want to adhere to that versus, right something else that wants to be more stylized. I don't know. It's like, it's a tough question because there isn't necessarily like broad it's so rules. many variables, right? Like, yeah. yeah, what's the environment? But yeah. Okay. Uh, are there some resources that people can use or go to when they're like, well, if I'm, if I'm going to be, yeah, like you said, like the gray couch, what, what should I be matching? To yeah. That? I mean, I think my fine art background in that I have a ton of color theory sure. background and then yeah. have a painting degree. And so I always approach every project from a color theory perspective okay. personally. Right. And I think that's helped me. And I also, I mean, I'm so attracted to films like the shape of water because of the controlled color palette right. and anything Wes Anderson because of the sure. controlled color palette. And those kinds of things are really exciting because it's so many departments working together to create such a beautiful image. Right. Um, so I guess like art books would be a good resource, you know, color theory is a good resource. Um, and honestly, like watching films and stuff that you think are great and why do you think they're great? You right. know, breaking down the elements of those things right. or seeking out. I mean, there are like designer costume designer podcasts and stuff out there sure. yeah, where right. they talk about break down the look on a certain film or sure. okay, cool. speak to certain. That's interesting. That's fabrics, I guess, mm -hmm. and stuff. But it's funny. I've never really found one that it's, been captivating enough huh. you know they all sort of feel really right. ins insular yeah. yeah right okay i think it's nice actually to talk to people who maybe don't know yeah right because i assume everybody in our department knows the things we all know or we're, we all sure. work together and we know our things so it's nice to sort of go you kind of forget what you've learned I think. totally yeah. it didn't even occur to me that someone would need x or that like right. of course you need three versions of that costume because right. there's a stunt of yeah. course oh yeah you know or, and, oh yeah twelve dollars a costume because of the math yeah. like it's so obvious yeah. to us but right. that you know we don't realize that maybe 
others aren't thinking that way. Right, so true, yeah. yeah, it's, it's tough because there's the wardrobe is such a, there's so many moving parts. Of course. Yeah. It's so yeah. many variables yeah. that can change things. And you know, there's instances where you want something to look awful and terrible on camera for a creative reason. Sure. You know, and so you go against every rule, quote right. unquote, that you've made for yourself so that you can achieve whatever the vision is. Sure, right. Sure. And that stuff happens all the time. Like moire is a horrible thing on camera, but sometimes it's hilarious. Right. Like <laughs> right, yeah. putting somebody in a green suit and a green screen is like, a, obviously you would never do that. Right. Unless, unless you want to do that. Right. It, so right, right. it's sort yeah. of the I before E rule breaking. Oh, I love that. True yeah. enough. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so who are the uh, like, wardrobe rock stars in in the world like who would be like the james cameron of the of the wardrobe department in you know like i like i, I think of the I, I don't know her name but the the woman who won the oscar for um uh oh what was the mad max yeah uh, oh yeah she's what a character she like she yeah. and like everybody's in you know gowns oh, and 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 she what comes, a dream like, she's got what like, an like amazing, she was amazing amazing yeah. human and yeah. she like made that jacket yeah yeah, yeah. of course she's yeah. like fucking made this coat and i'm yeah. getting an oscar and yeah. this is the best totally totally <laughs> i was when i saw her i was like all you idiots in your dresses <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean yeah costume designers like when you hit the big big time and the big features you know there's like three of them yeah you know okay. um and I don't really know why we don't know more people's names. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it feels like it's such just kind of a hidden art. Just what I'm getting from this whole conversation is yeah. like it's one of those. It's probably one of the best examples of a group of people who do their job so well that you forget they exist. Totally. And that's obviously the goal, right? Yeah. Like you don't want you don't want to have anyone notice the costumes. Right. You know what I mean? It's right. it's a compliment if you notice the design. Um but nobody wants them ever to appear as costumes. Right. And you get this a lot from directors who always say they want clothes and not costumes. And I think that the goal of a designer is to always create something that looks natural and of the character and part of the world enough that you, it just disappears. Right. And then the story takes over. Right. And that's obviously the most important thing. And maybe to a fault, you know what I mean? Because our department is sort of the silent sleeper. Like nobody really just keep to ourselves and sort of keep the train rolling and, don't disturb anybody and it just kind of well, that's, just that's, sort of happens. Yeah. I think yeah, you have to be like that if you're if you're a filmmaker. You have to be, you know, willing to be subtle. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. it's immersion. So you have Unle- to, unless, yeah. like you say, there's a reason. Yeah, right? of course. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, in terms of like big, I don't know, I maybe the department too doesn't lend itself to being boisterous. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't think anybody's super self-congratulatory. Right, you know, right. like there's, there are like sub award shows too, where there's like an accessories award show. There's, you know, craft award shows, um, for those other elements sort of within the wardrobe department to get recognized. Um, but obviously, you know, the biggest one is, is the Oscars. And it's funny, even at the Ampias, there's, there's one category. There's one costume designer category. Really? So you, you know, your tiny little four minute short film is up against X episode of Helen Wheels and Fargo, which has happened to me. You know what I mean? I've done two little short films and, and that's it. Where cinematographers get like best under 10, best under 30, best over 30, best best (laughs) nonfiction under 30. Best black and white. You know what I mean? It's just like (laughs) so many opportunities to like do well within that department and costume designers just have the one. I think the same is true for makeup. And it was, and it was interesting that, uh, a short film beat Fargo. Yeah. Which is called burned or something. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Beat Fargo. Yeah. That's great. Great for them. So it's incredible, but it's also like, you know, it's quite the mountain for sure. So I, you know, I guess that means maybe the nominations mean more because you're sort of 
held up to a higher standard sure, potentially. Sure. So yeah. that's a compliment, but it is funny. But if you consider that each production has a wardrobe department, yeah, there's only, there's only one opportunity. So yeah, yeah. the yeah. pool is much larger as well. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So it's funny. So uh, I can't believe that that went by so fast. But yeah. but where where can people learn more about you? What's the uh, what's the the Twitter, the Facebook? The... Oh, I don't twit. Okay, All I'm right. no tweeter. All right. I don't know. I you never got into it. Is there a website? Is there a, uh, what's LinkedIn? A, website's under construction because I need. Yeah, yeah I'm on. <laughs> MSN Messenger. Oh, perfect. Sweet. So you guys can contact me there. Uh, no, Facebook's a great place. Instagram, uh, which is just my name, both cool. both cool. times, um, are good places to get in touch with me if you ever great. need anything. Happy what do you mean to both times. Just like Facebook and Instagram. Facebook oh, both, oh, I see. Both, yeah. Just both like time, no, no underscores or anything. That's right. Okay, gotcha. Just Dietrich Kalen. Got it. On both those platforms. It's Kalen. Yes. I say Kalen. No, I'm going to say Kalen. You, you're not wrong. Wow. Cheese says with confidence. Yeah. <laughs> It's not uh, both ways. Well, I'll say Kaylin now because that's the right way. Sure. Yeah. That's how I say it. Because, I mean, you, you host workshops and stuff. And we, we talk about you often and we say your name yeah. often. So. Yeah, yeah. Now, like, we'll say it properly. <laughs> I'd like to issue a retraction for the following episodes. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so, uh, thank you so much for being here. This is Thanks fantastic. Thanks for having me. That was great. Thanks for having a lady on. Yeah. It's, it's actually been a while. More yes. lady podcasting. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's good. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. All right. Sweet. Thanks, teacher. That was uh, that was so cool, and I yeah, she took us to school on, she really on many things. Um, and you know, you can't know everything, uh, but but uh, hopefully, this podcast helps people learn some of the ins and outs of some departments that they may not know that much about. And I think uh, Dietra is doing us all a service by giving us uh, the info. Totally, and and yeah, an hour of her time to sit down and chat with us for sure. She's for super sure. busy, so yeah, we yeah. much appreciate that. Uh, okay, let's get into the news you can use. And of course, every episode, this section of the podcast is brought to you by our lovely sponsors over at Bleeding Art Industries, who are fantastic and uh, have decided to start reaching out to some filmmakers and get their tips. You know, in the past, they've been giving us uh, tips from Bleeding Art. Now they're kind of reaching out to the filmmakers that they work with um, to uh, to get some, some tips from uh, directors in particular. And this week, we have a tip from Sandy Summers of Spring Street Films. He says, always take a creative risk and exit your comfort zone. When you do that, you learn, you grow, and you develop new and exciting skills. That's not only a great tip for filmmakers, but also for life in general. It's easy for us to operate in our comfort zones, and as painful as it might be, stepping outside of that is the only way to grow. Remember, if you have a great tip, get in touch with the folks at Bleeding Art and let them know that you, uh, too, would like to perhaps appear in this section of the podcast. And I love that tip uh, because... uh, Sometimes you feel like you put yourself out there with a podcast, and yeah. uh, and sometimes it uh, it's not always going to go perfectly. No, of course and, not. Uh, and so um, you have to take those risks. You have to get outside your comfort yeah. zone, and that's and doing this podcast is that for us, uh, amongst many other things. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again, uh, as always, to Bleeding Art for these tips because it's a you know it's a cool way to sponsor a section. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and bring some value. And yeah, they found absolutely. a way, another way to bring value in the, in the theme of the podcast to, uh, to the show. So that's awesome. Uh, firstly, the Academy, the Academy apprenticeship for women directors, um, is still accepting applications, uh, right up until Friday, June 15th. So there's only about a week left, or I guess it would be this week is kind of the last week to do it. Uh, they're calling all emerging female content creators. You can apply to be a part of the Academy's second annual apprenticeship program. Uh, aimed uh, between six and eight uh, emerging female directors will be selected. It's a six-month program. Uh, lots of awesome opportunities. Um, a lot going on at TIFF that you'll be uh, involved with. Uh, and the application uh, is at academy.ca slash women dash directors. 
uh, or check out the link in the show notes. So uh, the NFB is providing this wonderful fund for filmmakers who have a project that is not yet complete, but needs some finishing funds to become a completed film. And we talked about this at length, which it's such a great, cool opportunity for for films that are maybe in that limbo place. Uh, But the deadline to apply is June 25th, and you can find out more uh, at the link in the show notes. The, uh, the FemWave, a feminist arts festival, is now accepting applications for their film festival. Uh, FemWave 2018 is scheduled to take place across various venues in Calgary uh, in November, from November 15th to 18th. Um, it requires that at least one of your key creative leads, either producer, director, or writer, identifies as a woman, trans, or non-binary. As long as your team isn't comprised solely of cisgendered males, uh, like Matt and me, basically. <laughs> Uh, please submit. Uh, FemWave will pay every artist selected to play at our festival. Uh, uh, they think your art is important and want to cost, compensate you for that. Uh, and they pay Carfax rates for your film, which are pretty pretty good rates. Those actually. are good yeah. rates. That's fantastic. Uh, along with a full access festival wristband. Uh, they aim to be accessible and inclusive. So if you require any assistance with the application process, please send an email to film at femwave.com and they can help you get your submission together. Uh, but submissions will not be accepted after July 1st. So you've got just a couple weeks uh, left to submit that festival and you can do so at femwave.com slash apply at the top of the show we were talking about the documentary filmmaker edition ama that story hive is putting on for anyone with questions about the documentary filmmaker edition uh of this com- upcoming story hive uh but if you didn't know what you we were talking about we're talking about fifty thousand dollars that's available for you as a filmmaker unreal it's amazing to create a 15 to 20 minute documentary um and uh yeah short documentary receive the funding training of course you know we're part of this now in this digital round we're 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 providing mentorship to those recipients so you're going to receive mentorship and training as well as uh that money and uh of course a platform to screen and and have an audience actually see your film so it's it's as always a pretty amazing opportunity from Storyhive, and uh the deadline to apply uh, is Tuesday, July 3rd. And if you've never applied, you're going to need to put together, a, you know, a, an online package that, totally. you know, an audience can come and check out and, and hopefully be interested in voting for or supporting. Yeah, um, and you, you should have a bit of a marketing kind of campaign plan totally, for, yeah. for the And I was looking at it and the there, this one's different though. Oh, is there no voting on this one? There is voting. And it, apparently oh. you can choose if you want to do voting or not do voting. And I, so I, I'm curious, I'm going to see if I can get to that AMA because that's very odd to me. I don't know how they're going to split that up because I think, I think the idea is they're going to choose 15 projects that don't use the the voting, the voting, and oh. then 15 projects that do. But what if everybody says, I don't want to go through the voting? Like how, how do they manage that? So they're, I don't, I don't understand that. So maybe we'll find out more after that AMA. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I wonder if it has to do with the fact that it's it's documentary that it's factual right right yeah, Maybe yeah there are some things that people don't necessarily want to put out there mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. this is my story you know sure of something course, that's yeah. absolutely personal and yeah. it's like i don't necessarily want to tell it unless absolutely yeah, yeah. that's a good point um the god a minute film festival has a call out for submissions as well so this is um a one minute silent film to submit to um god a minute film festival.com and basically they'll be showing it at um uh, transit stations and various patterson uh installations around edmonton um and the month or the deadline to submit is july 5th uh, it's only 15 bucks um or it's f- free if you're a fava member or youth um they accept all genres live action experimental documentary creative nonfiction, animation uh so if you've got a little one minute uh short uh, and you want to get it seen by the the public and not just a movie going audience but uh submit today got a minute film 
Ampia members are invited to apply to uh, the uh, an upcoming event called ATB X Entrepreneurs Bootcamp. Um, it's an opportunity aimed at early stage entrepreneur entrepreneurs looking to validate their business in the market uh, and be a part of a supportive peer to peer community. Uh, the intensive session runs all day and evening on June nineteenth and twentieth uh, at ATBX at Calgary's Connaught Center. So, um, check out the link in the show notes for more information on that. Um, sounds like a cool opportunity for, and, and, you know, I, I was just saying this the other day that we don't, we don't think of our business enough as a business, right? We're always ap- applying for arts grants and film related grants and, totally. and the, right. the, the credits and, but we forget that, you know, we could apply for any small business loan, whether you're doing corporate video or not. I mean, if you're creating entertainment, you're a business. That's a that's a business. Yeah, that's your product. So, yeah, I think yeah. we all as filmmakers could, could benefit from seeing Absolutely. ourselves that way. 100%. Uh, we did we did amazing um, live Slack Q&A yesterday. With the yeah, CSIF. that was cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was very cool. Um, and, and I was I was actually pretty surprised at how many people. Me too. Participated. I was surprised like, that there were questions. Yeah, was, we had you know we had an hour or two hours booked for it. Yeah. And uh, by the end, it, it, CSF basically had to say, "So sorry, everyone, we're out of time. Yeah, uh, but yeah. we'll do this again." Yeah. So thanks to everyone for for coming out to that. But uh, one of the biggest uh, things that kept coming up was networking opportunities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, people just asking, "When is the next one? Um, you know, how, how are you going to be doing more of them?" And of course, you know, the CSF does its best to to create those. Um, you know, as do other filmmakers, and uh, it's your responsibility to find them. And no one's going to come to you, right. but there is one that I'm giving to you right now. CSAF AGM is followed by a summer mixer, which yes. is which is code for networking opportunity. Apparently, we yeah, you know, we should maybe just call it CSIF networking event and networking event. Right. Some people will know. Right. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> but it is a networking. It event. It is a networking event. But, summer mixer. You know, that's what yeah, it means. Mix, mix it, it up. Mean, but it takes the you know it takes the pressure off of it. Totally. Um, totally. It, yeah. yeah, you're right. There, you, when you label it, it becomes networking a, event. It's like oh, I got to yeah. bring a suit. It's yeah. like no, no. It's just it's a casual. Great place to meet new for filmmakers. Sure, for sure. um, so this is happening on Saturday, June twenty third, um, at the CSIF, which is um, seventeen twenty five one hundred or tenth Avenue Southwest. Uh, and of course, the AGM uh, is an important opportunity to meet with fellow filmmakers, find out what the CSIF has been up to all year, and to vote for the new board of directors. Um, we would love for um, people from diverse backgrounds uh, try to get on the board because um, uh, we'd love to see a more diverse board. Uh, that's just speaking uh, from Matt and myself personally. I True enough. I, yeah. I, would, I would be shocked if the CSF didn't agree with that. But, of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the AGM is followed by that summer mixer. So the, the, 2 p.m. is the AGM, and then 3.30 is the summer mixer. Uh, we would encourage everyone to come to both things. Absolutely. Uh, jumping into screenings, we've been talking about this really cool live multi-channel video and musical performance by Craig Fanner and Matthew Waddell. Happening uh, through Sled Island on Saturday, June 23rd at 6.20 p.m. in the Studio Bell Performance Hall uh, for $22. And it's free if you are uh, if you have a Sled Island pass. So uh, it sounds like a really cool kind of cutting edge, uh, 3D, technologically, you know, um, busy uh, production, which it sounds super cool. It's called Deep Website. And you can find out more at the uh, link in the show notes. Uh, as with every month, there is an upcoming set etiquette and protocol course. We briefly chatted about it with Dietra. Yep. Um, and it is kind of the, the, you know, the first requirement to getting on a set. And you will learn things like what is craft services or crafty, as mm-hmm, we call it, mm-hmm. uh, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm sure it's a more electrifying experience now. <laughs> well, it's certainly because this, you know, it's being um, taught by Gail Kennedy. Of course. Who's, you know, one of uh, the vets of the industry. And uh, even just as a networking opportunity, mm-hmm, going mm-hmm. to one of this, uh, going to this program is probably a great idea so this this month is happening on june 13th uh which is coming right up uh in fact it's wednesday um 
at 6 p.m. at IATSE Local 212, which is uh, unit 201, 208 57th Ave Southwest, uh, 40 bucks to attend. Uh, and it's just a couple hours. I think it's only three hours. Yeah, 6 to 9 p.m. Uh, and you can sign up at IATSE, which is I-A-T-S-E 212.com uh, from, and yeah, get started. Shooting with the Scarlet, uh, the workshop we talk about pretty regularly. It comes up a lot because in order to rent the Scarlet camera from the CSIF, you do need to take this course. It's only six hours, 120 for members uh, and students, and 160 for non-members at the CSIF. And it's instructed by Aaron Bernakovich, who knows all about the RED and the, and the RED ecosystem and world and uh, is a great person to learn this information from. So uh, you uh, can check out uh, the workshop section of the CSIF website to find out more and, and sign up. There's uh there's something that I'm just kind of learning about right now, which is really cool. It's it's metamorphosis workshops in Calgary and Edmonton. Um, so filmmakers Nova Ami and Velcro Ripper are leading their metamorphosis journey workshops in Calgary uh, on Thursday, June 21, and Edmonton on Saturday, June 23. The structure of the sessions uh, is inspired by their feature doc- documentary Metamorphosis and rooted in the coaching for transformation model as well as the filmmakers' lived experience. Register now. Uh, it's happening at Hillhurst United Church at 3 p.m in Calgary and 10 a.m. at the Metro Cinema in Edmonton on those on their various days. Uh, and of course, the film has several additional screenings as well, scheduled at the Globe Cinema and Metro Cinema. Uh, there is a phone number to call Sharon Stevens to uh, for more information. Um, but I think it's probably better uh, to just click the link in the show notes uh, and go from there. For sure. Uh, Velcro Ripper is is a pretty amazing filmmaker. I, I recognize that name. Um, he's a Genie Award winner. He, yeah. he spoke at uh, March Madness as the keynote speaker, I think in the first year. Um, and, uh, yeah, pretty cool person to learn from, uh, his career really, uh, exploded around the Occupy Wall Street time because he did a, a documentary called Occupy Love, which did really, really well. And, and, uh, and yeah, we learned some cool things when he came and spoke. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, we also have, uh, some films shooting in the province and, and, uh, uh, really mainly, uh, series Tin Star season two, uh, continues for the summer here and Heartland just getting started, but uh, of course is running as well. And then there's the future film Red Eye happening all this month uh, until about June 29th. So congrats to those projects and uh, best of luck to everyone. Super cool. Uh, no job calls this week. We had a ton before. Yeah. But, uh, but um, the deadlines have passed. Deadlines have passed. You're you, missed your, you missed your chance. <laughs> you're you're yeah, just hanging are, out. There are no the more st- jobs in the film industry. On the industry. street for the summer now. Yeah, Sorry. That's it. Uh, uh, no, of course, you can always, um, you know, even just head to the DGC office or the IATC of office course, and just yeah. say, hey, uh, help. I'm looking for work. There's for a lot, sure. There's a lot coming up this summer uh, and a lot even going on right now. So, uh, Okay. So recommendations for this week. Uh, I've got one that I'm very excited about. Okay. Um, now, we're recording this on Friday, but it will be coming out. After the weekend. Yes. So I haven't actually gone yet, but I'm going to Loose Moose Theater ah, yes. on Saturday night. Your favorite. It is my favorite. And I recommend that uh, if you're a filmmaker in town, that you go check it out. For sure. In Calgary. Uh, it's an improv show. And, uh, you know, they have different formats throughout the year. Um, it's where a lot of uh, Calgary's best actors got their start uh, and mid-career work. Um, you know, there's, you know, Andrew Fung is often there, as well as a ton of other um, exceptional actors. Um and comedians and uh you know it's just it's a great it's a great night uh you know you're supporting local theater you're supoking, supporting local community and uh it's worth and their licorice is so good it's always mm. so fresh nice it's yeah. true it's it, it is a it is the, the keystone of the whole experience. it is the licorice yeah. for sure yeah <laughs> uh i'm gonna recommend this is this is kind of a, a, a new one for for the podcast but uh, a piece of public art that just went up in edmonton i believe 
Um, and it was actually created uh, partly or in half, I guess, as a team. Uh, Caitlin Brown, who's, who's a filmmaker in Calgary, right. uh, created this incredible piece of art with uh, a partner, I believe his name is Wayne, um, who uh, it is it is a I'll show it to you. It is a car that sits on its nose. So it is oh, what? vertical. That looks like I'm not looking like I can't see it properly. It's <laughs> yeah, the way it's- yeah, yeah. And then it has how do I describe it? It has like. It's been like cut into sections. Yeah, and and then the sections are spread out, but it not like all over the place. It it's makes just it, like in two or three places. It makes it look like there's a glitch. Exactly. Yeah. But it's yeah. a physical. Yeah, like you have object. layers of car that are uh, that is awesome. Almost like a sound wave, the way a sound would uh, waveform would, including like the tire. It's very it's very cool. Um, and I I saw it on Ramin uh, Ramin's uh, Instagram. So, oh, nice. Um, and I believe it is either going up or it's going to be revealed in like next week sometime this week, I guess when you're hearing this. So, so if you're in Edmonton, I think check it out. Um, and you can find out more. Uh, I think one of the artists is Wayne P Garrett on, uh, on Instagram. Um, so if you want to check that out, you can, you can find that there and find out more about where you can see it. I'm sure. Carbon copy yeg is the hashtag. I don't know if that's related. Anyway, thanks for listening to another episode of the show. We really appreciate you, uh, listening to us um and if you don't hate the show let us know like we would love to hear <laughs> I from you i want to know if you hate the show <laughs> sure of course i do of course yeah but we want yeah if you've got feedback i mean season two episode 30 we've been doing this for a long time it would be nice to hear a little bit more about what's going on are, are we relevant do 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 they do they care scott like are we is it a vacuum i met i, I mean, met a negativity fan a couple weeks oh, ago right yeah, yes, that i've never exactly. met before That's that right. that um, was telling me that he's listened to every that single episode nice. and it's sure. helped him get his career off the ground. For sure, so. yeah, yeah. That's cool. So That yeah, means a lot. That, that means a like, lot. Yeah, I, yeah I, I don't really, like, I don't care. You know, I mean, like, we do this, we do this to bring the community together. Yeah. Um, you know, not to stroke our own egos. Um, so I think it's helping, but, you know, part of it is bringing the community together. Yeah, but, you know, I think there's something to be said for, um, without, you know, this is just me, I don't speak for you when I say this, but I feel like we... Uh, put a lot of time into this podcast and a lot of effort and we do it because we love this community. We want it to be better. Um, but sometimes it's time to give back. Like, like it's, it's a bit like Gary Vaynerchuk says, right? Jab, 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 right hook. We've been jabbing a lot. And so it's time to write hook. It would be nice. Even, even if more people just said, Hey, I want to be on the podcast. Like we, that, that's awesome. Uh, if you were to share, hit the share button, if you were to, to like it or, or share an episode with your friends or, or, um, that would go a long way. That would mean a lot to us. Um, so, um, and, and if you don't like the show, uh, let us know why too. That's that we want, we just want feedback. Um, so, um, let us know because, um, it lets us know you're out there. Yeah, for sure. And even if, you know, there's something you wish we talked more about or less about, um, you know, there's only, you know, there's only, there, there aren't a thousand million people who listen to this podcast, so we can tweak it. Right. Of course. Right? Yeah. Um, specifically. So yeah, just let us know. Uh, you can find us, uh, on SoundCloud, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at, um, AB filmcast. Of course you can send us an email at hello at abfilmcast.ca. Absolutely. Uh, and if you, uh, would like to subscribe on iTunes, um, that would be great. And five stars there always helps us as you know, but you know, wherever you, wherever you catch your pods, uh, you know, please review there and rate there we would love to to have uh, have you do that there as well um have we done the thank yous i wasn't We've paying not, attention no not yet no, oh well no. then it's important that we thank briar and Britt and seth and also chad, chad of, course, of course who yeah. does the uh, the amazing music for the show uh and um yeah is that it is well that of course outro? there's a final thanks to our 
of course, to our sponsor, uh, our, our final sponsor that you'll hear right after this. Right. Uh, app of the BA Alberta Post-Production Association. And once you've done listening to that sweet-sounding uh, message, go, go make, make something. The Alberta Filmmakers Podcast is proudly sponsored by APA, the Alberta Post-Production Association. APA represents technical and creative professionals working behind the scenes in editing, sound, and visual effects. Our members live here in Alberta and support producers with expertise in picture editing, color grading, graphic design, compositing, audio post, music scoring, and so much more. For more information about post-production, visit APA online at albertapost.org.